Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles, right here on Tojanet and Pararex Radio. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's outstanding Van Helsing. With me, <laughs> all the way from the Eat the Bridgewater Triangle, is the blonde bombshell herself, Ann Kerrigan. Wow, good evening. You're outstanding, are you? Outstanding in my field. Outstanding in the field mm-hmm. with the ticks. <laughs> and triple E. Whatever works. Yeah. Whatever anyway. works, Ron. So, anyway, uh, we just want to uh, uh, give our wishes to uh, Russ Hannigan, who's going uh, through some tough times right now. So. With- yes. Yep. Yeah. Thinking of you, buddy. Yeah. Everything is going well. So. Anyway. Huh? So, we got we got to. Great show tonight, and actually, I'm intrigued by it. I don't know if you ever heard of this house. Have you? Anne? Oh, yes, I have. Yeah. Oh, you have. I actually have. Imagine oh, okay. that. Hmm. Craziness, craziness. I never did. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, uh, without further ado, why don't we bring him on? And he is David Oman. Did Omen. I get that right? Oman. Oh, I'm sure you are. <laughs> Ron screws up everybody's name, so it's just par for the course. So. That's okay, and I've heard from Mr. Oman to Mr. Oman. How are you doing, sir? And it's like, uh-huh. no, I'm not Irish, and I'm not Arabic. So, <laughs> that, that's one way to say it. I'm a good omen, not a Middle Eastern one. Uh, there you go. There you like, go. And I'm not Damien. I'm not the son of, uh, you know, the almighty Satan. Mm-hmm. So, and, and for those, I didn't mean almighty like God. I meant almighty like empirical devil, demon, whatever you want to call him. You know, no, you I don't have three sixes carved into the back of my head or anything like that. So, oh, I hope not. I hope no, not. I don't have horns or a tail. Well, <laughs> Although it would be pretty interesting. Oh, thanks. Actually. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Daddy don't like you. Be careful what I tell you. It will impact the rest of your life. Mm. Beware, anyway. Daddy. Daddy doesn't like people that are obnoxious. Okay. Damien. Damien. Really? I'm kidding. What are you serious? Come on. <laughs> hey, if you only there's, knew. No one, there's no one more obnoxious than me. Everybody knows that. This is so. true. This is true. Yeah. I was put on the surf for one thing, and that was to irritate people, and I do yes. a damn good at it. You do a great job. Yes. Exactly. So, anyways, uh, David, uh, why don't you give us the backstory on this uh, house? I guess that's this a good house. way to put it. Um, well, 21 years ago, November, late November, on a Sunday morning, 1998, my father called me up and woke my ass up and said, Look, said, I found a lot. It's for sale. It's $40,000 in Beverly Hills. And wow. I, I was half asleep when I said, $40,000, lot, Beverly Hills. What doesn't add up here? And I said, it's got to be a misprint. Because this, 
this is in the days of the, the Sunday classified section. This is before the internet was really anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so he got the LA Sunday Times and he found this ad. And I said, Dad, it's probably a misprinted, probably it's 400K and there's a zero missing. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, going, it's, it's eight in the morning. Dad, come on. I, I'm sound asleep. And it's like, all right, fine, fine, fine. You're not going to quit. Now, my dad is 82 years old and a pistol. I mean, uh-huh. my mom used to say about my father, he goes, your father's full of piss and vinegar. <laughs> and I mean, at 82, you'd think he'd be like running around in a gosh on wheelchair or something or a walker. No, my dad was driving in 19, this is in that 1999, so he was driving in 1998 uh, Z28 Camaro. <laughs> oh, and Pops didn't look seven, nine, 82 years old. He looked like he was like 56 years old and was a pistol. 60 years old was a pistol. Just just nuts. And so I'm like, all right, I'll hear you. I'll meet you at this place. Where is it? Cielo Drive. So I looked it up on the Thomas Guide. That's how long ago this is. This is before mm-hmm. Matt West. <laughs> so I or went Apple up Maps. There. Yeah. Well, I basically found, found a location. I drove up there and I get up there. You know, because my place was closer than his was. Mm-hmm. And I get up there and I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm double taking saying, I haven't been here in 20 years. Since 1978 and 79, when in high school we used to go up to the Tate Gate because we all read Helter Skelter to see, uh, the, uh, you know, the you know where it was. And I was like, oh, my God. I said, I can't believe it. It's, it's changed quite a bit. But that's where it all went down. Wow. And that's, yeah, Anne. that's, I just said, that's, that's crazy that it would be that property, you know, it was right next door to it. it was down the street from it. So yeah. I'm like, look, it was six, six, seven, neighbor <laughs> of the beast. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking down there and he drives up and pulls up and I'm like, Oh daddy goes, I said, you know, St. Pops, I haven't been here in 20 years because that's where the Tate House stood. And they t- obviously torn it down a few five years earlier, as we later found out. And I'm like, he's like, I don't give a rat's ass about the freaking Tate House. He goes, we're here to look at this lot. And I'm like, <laughs> he goes, focus, like slaps the tight. He goes, what's with you? Focus. You're here to look at a lot. I don't want to reminisce. I'm here to talk about the present. And I'm like, going, no, he's got a point. Mm-hmm. So. We look at the lot, and the lot's a down. There's a hillside, and I'm like, "Hey, pops!" I said, I, "I think there's things that are on the property that look like it's been." He goes, "Yeah, it's, apparently it was started construction. They have 13 caissons on the property and the rebar, and then it got stopped by the city." And I said, "Well, I said, Dad, it got stopped by the city. What makes you think that you're going to be able to get that put through the city and get that approved?" And he goes. I, I have a funny feeling about this. Something doesn't seem quite right. He says, you do see the other houses on the street. And I said, yeah. He goes, that's what doesn't make sense. How are there other houses yet all of a sudden, now this lot is not buildable? He goes, there's something not right here. Mm-hmm. So my father did a little research, and it turns out that somewhere in the transcription in a clerical error was performed on the maps – that were for the property and sometime in the past, I guess, you know, between the time that the people started construction and the city reviewed the maps, it was changed from a private street, from a private drive to a private street. Now, between you and me, it's semantics, right? Mm -hmm. But to the city, it's a legal issue. 
And what I'm saying to you is, is that private street has its own prelips as far as what it has as constraints and, and property issues that have to be maintained. And the private drive has got different ones. And basically, in a nutshell, it comes down to this. The private street is maintained by the city. So that all utility, all mm. the utility lines, all the sewer lines and all the power lines and all that stuff are brought up by the city. And the street has to be has to be was it uh, twenty some odd feet wide, and then has to have a thirty eight foot right right of way turnaround for emergency vehicles. Mm-hmm. Where a private drive doesn't have any of that. You the, the homeowners have to provide their own utilities up to the property it's from the from the main street, et cetera, et cetera. The street has maintained by this by the homeowners. They can have it as wide or as narrow as they want. They can be as fast as the speedway as they want. It doesn't have any of the it's, – it's a private drive. It's totally private. So it turns out that somewhere in between they switched it back, and my dad said, hey, you know, um, there's a problem here. He petitioned to have it returned back to the correct way it was written, which was private drive. And because the private the street was only about twenty feet wide, and there was no thirty eight foot turnaround, he was able to get it petitioned returned back to the original way it was as a private drive, and we ended up buying the lot building on it for forty thousand dollars. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, just insane. So, so that was the beginning. Where did we go from there? Well, it took us three and a half years. From the time that we got the um, we bought the property, get it petitioned and all that stuff, till the house was completed. Now during com- during the construction of the house, there was strange stuff that you could feel. I mean, from the get go, when we started on the hillside, literally we put down the foundation, and the first floor is the third is that we constructed. Obviously, is the third floor level now, mm-hmm. and. It's probably about a thousand square feet at the time, and there are no walls up. We're just putting the framing up. And I remember vividly walking around that platform and just feeling like, you know, there's somebody came coming up behind you and gonna tap you on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. But there's and you turn around, there's no one there. That started when we had that when we first started there, I just felt it. Just I could feel it's like like I should say we were being observed. And I don't mention uh-huh. this into the book. But the fact is, as I think about it, it was weird because I start to look back and say, you know something? That's what it was. The spirits were watching this house being built around Mm. them from basically a naked, barren hillside landscape Mm. to the house being constructed. And the unique properties that we now experience in the house are directly related to the design of my father and, and coincidentally, the structural engineer who took my father's plans and made them into um, redesigned them with some modifications for the um, you know issue of the hillside and the earthquakes. Right. And he put in three steel columns, and then on the first to support the third level, and then two steel I beams on top of those three steel columns. One on the left, one on the right, one on the middle. We're holding up these two steel I beams, like um, you see in a skyscraper. Right. Uh huh. And then on for the second floor, he did the same thing. And in my book, you can actually see pictures of the steel of the hillside and these three steel columns that are there embedded in the concrete. Where then we you see another picture where the steel I beams are on top of them and really connected. And you just say, "Wow!" 
And what it turns out is, is the House sits on what is what Barry Taff, what Dr. Barry Taff had called, a naturally occurring geomagnetic anomaly. And what he said is, yes, there is a fault line going up Benedict's Canyon, but there is also a condition that he believes is pre-volcanic, meaning that there's probably a lava plume or a flume, which is basically a large, large lava lake under the earth down a couple miles under this this mountain that we're that I live on, and it gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling, doesn't it? <laughs> he said he says in like ten thousand years that thing will probably come up to the surface and turn into a volcano. But right now it's so dormant, and it's not even dormant because it's not anything but just part of the Earth's crust. There's a magma, you know, lake under there that's right. moving, and it's discharging electromagnetic fields through it, DC EMF fields. Mm-hmm. which is because it's highly charged and highly magnetized. Magma is. It's full of iron, melted right. iron. So it's like if you go to the um, lava fields in Hawaii, you bring out a compass, your compass will have a difficult time zooming in on true north right? because it's in the middle of a lava bed and it's all magnetized energy there. Mm-hmm. Well, let's put it this way. As a result of these three, the six steel I beam, the three, the six steel columns and the four steel I beams, making up the second and third floor superstructure, you've gotten them, and it's developed into a huge Ferris cage, which, Uh, which the audience might not know what it means. It means an iron cage that's magnetized, so that the, the second floor is the third floor is literally engulfed in this energy field that's literally it's got a it's basically got a cage all the way around it (laughs) because it's supporting the third floor below it and then above it it's got the second floor so it turns out to have the highest most prolific magnetic fields that are off the charts which as dr taff had said is the same energy levels that he has registered when he's had a manifestation of a spirit and then they return to normal in most places where in my place, it's always peaked. So when somebody comes in the house, the spirits that are around each and every one of you who live and breathe come into this environment, they can jump off your body, so to speak, or, and manifest and do stuff very easily. So this is pretty much like the uh, building in the Ghostbusters 1. Right. <laughs> they st- <laughs> They well, just don't I don't make them like that. I don't open my refrigerator and see a little gosh darn diorama and say, Zoo's here. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen Rick Moranis running around looking like a half crazed red eyed beast going, He's coming, he's coming, <laughs> the end is near, the end is near. <laughs> beware, beware, the end is near. Yeah, right. No. Um but the, the truth is, is that the house exhibits these high EMF levels, so you get crazy, crazy, crazy activity. Hmm. And, you know, people come here looking for Sharon Tate, and I said, look, if you didn't know her and you don't have a connection to her from a friend or a family member that knew them and there's a connection in that way, shape, or form, the odds of you connecting with somebody that you've never met or have a connection with are zero. <laughs> but the spirits that are around you will most likely manifest and do stuff. And you'll be presently aware of it when it's happening. So that's generally what takes place here. Okay. Wow. 
And an example was, here's, here, this is really anecdotal from last night. I had Jojo Wright, the radio personality from, you know, nationwide KIISFM. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a famous disc jockey. Well, <laughs> he's coming out two weeks from tomorrow, from last night on the 29th to do a live streaming from the house here. Mm-hmm. I suggested that he come out with a friend or whoever to um, do a scouting. I said, because first of all, if you're going to be here in two weeks, you might as well get it over with now that your body has acclimated to the energy because you never know what it's going to be like the first time a new person's introduced to the environment. So he decided to come out last night at like 11, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Ah. And uh, <laughs> after his radio program, mm-hmm. and let's just say he was not disappointed. <laughs> there was, what happened? There was... I can't explain to you what was happening, but it was just active. We were coming up from the se- from the third level to the second floor, and it, as we came up the floor to the second floor landing, they heard something go bang. Mm-hmm. And I said, "No, I didn't hear a bang. I heard a I heard something else." So we reviewed because the house has got 19 HD CCTV, 1080p, three megapixel cameras with infrared with infrared capabilities and audio. Mm-hmm. And we listened to the cash turn audio, and you can hear a man or something go, "Yeah." There's a whispery voice, and he goes, "Yeah." And then we heard it. We backed it up earlier, and like right before the man says, "Yeah," you hear this like, Rrr. "Oh." And I'm like, what the hell was that? I said, I heard that. And they go, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. I said, yeah, that was pretty hairy. I said, mm-hmm. that's clearly a growl or something. I have never heard that, but it was pretty distinct. And they were like, oh, God. Oh, God. And, mm-hmm. when, and when we were down in the third level itself, which we were watching the video from to go upstairs to, to review right before that incident took place. We had some crazy stuff going on down there where we were hearing voices and stuff and things were appearing on camera that we couldn't explain. So right. I've got to download that and put that on through the editor and then put it up on the YouTube because it was just wild stuff. So let me, let me uh, ask you a question. Yeah. And I don't know if you're familiar with uh, uh, neuroscientist Michael uh, Presinger and his work on EMF and uh, sightings of ghosts. Uh, are you familiar <laughs> with that all? No, but I think Barry remarked to me about that. And I said, you know, saying that's basically uh, a placebo. It's basically a pedantic attempt to come up with a rational explanation for something that they cannot explain. And I have not only, I've only seen an apparition once. So his theoretical scientific mumbo jumbo is theoretically disproven immediately by my own experiences in this house after 17 years. He's basically barking up the wrong end of, the, of, a, of, a, of a dog stick. I won't even say it's a tree. It's not. It's not even a, it's not even a sapling. It's so pathetic. A discre- I can discredit that whole theory in a thousand different ways in about five minutes with my own videos, which basically say, hey, I don't give a rat's ass what you think I think I'm hearing. I've got the video footage and the audio footage to prove you out of the light of day. And if you're going to say to me, well, that's the mind playing tricks. It's like, really? 
This equipment is basically picking up voices where there's only one person in the house multiple, multiple times this has occurred. And I have it on my YouTube channel. Right, right. The characteristic signature sound is it's a whispery voice that's right on top of the mic. And it's the characteristic sounds like this. It's very whispery. And it's almost right on top of the microphone. And I have it on multiple, in mo- some cases, multiple devices and media. Meaning I have it recorded on a digital recorder. I have it on multiple digital recorders and on a video handheld video recorder and also on the CCTV cameras. So there's a problem with these assertions that these people have well, the EMF levels playing tricks in the body. Yeah, okay, fine. Kiss my ass and tell me what's on the video. <laughs> How is it that my that I'm transmitting these these mental okay. images onto a videotape. And okay, make- calm yeah. down there, calm Ooh. down. Oh, my, <laughs> we, my, my question was basically if you had heard about him not to actually crucify him. <laughs> it was a study that was done with <laughs> some evil. results, and I don't particularly agree with the study, but uh, we don't have to crucify the guy. At least he's doing some field research on it. So uh, no, 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 no. I wasn't mean cashing any aspersions upon you or your house. No, no, but hear me out. I've contacted the great Randy a number of years ago for his million-dollar prize. Right. Guess what I got in response? I got one email saying, we'll look into it. They're in the Los Angeles area. It's not like they have to travel to Timbuktu and spend an awful time to get there. No, hear me out. These people are perpetuating a fraud. These people with these theories on both sides of the equation, not only the theoretical people that are bashing the paranormal, but those in the paranormal field that are creating theories that are so flagrantly flawed and mythologized in so many ways. I look at them and I go, yeah, really? That's so, huh? How come your theory holds no water in a true dynamic environment like this? And my own experiences are basically devoid of what your theory comes close to adhering to. It doesn't, it falls apart. And that's why I say people are out there exploiting the paranormal on both sides of the field. Exactly. And the joke is, is there are people creating these Frank's box, which was the original, then the Echo box, then the Spirit box, then the Ghost box, then the Jerk Off box. They're all (laughs) pathetic, stooly. As Harry Houdini, Eric Weiss would say, it's garbage. They're, they're, they're fleecing the public because I don't care what Edison, the theory of Edison, Edison himself was a hoax. He was a myth. Edison did not create the light bulb. He took what somebody else invented. And in most cases, that's the fascination and the truth of Albert Edison. Albert Edison was smart because he saw other people's ideas, refined them and made them better. He did not invent half the things that we associate with him. However, he does hold the patent still. No, no, He had people that were under his... Under his However, he still holds the patents for him, no matter he how you say He holds the patents because he had people like Tesla that were inventors. He had a slew of inventors in Menlo Park, New Jersey. Right. Exactly. And he had them create things that he then patented with his name, and they got butt-kissed. And that's why Tesla moved on away from Edison, because mm-hmm. he said, why am I doing work for you and making you money on my patents? And they're mm-hmm. my patents. So he said, screw you. And that's the truth about Edison. But Edison created a spirit box where one of his his people did to try to speak to the to spirits. Actually, there's no, there is no there is actually no evidence that he ever created a spirit box. 
That he, is a myth. Well, I saw something on a, an old newsreel of him talking about how he wanted to speak to his right. dead relatives, and he was yes. trying to postulate. I don't know if he made it, but... No, he never did make it. That's the thing. Most people see that, and they, and they believe in the spirit comm is what you're talking about, and right. that never never occurred. Uh but yeah, I you know I agree with you totally that there are people on both sides of the thing that everything that that's unusual is paranormal and everything can be explained somewhere in the middle is the truth. Exactly, and I'm telling you here in the house with the 19 cameras mm-hmm. and the videos I've recorded here, there's 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 so much evidence I've accrued here in this house over the past five years with the new system. I mean, we've had standard definition cameras before that but there's been stuff that i cannot explain and i mean during interviews where a voice would pop up and make a commentary an example would be james oster was here with the uh, joeblow.com and arrow on the head covering the dvt blu-ray release of poltergeist and he was here at 12 30 at night after everything was shut down and walking around with myself his videographer and his photographer four men over the age of 40 and um, he says, I've been at David's house many times, and strange things have happened here. Mm-hmm. And almost as if on cue, he captured a little girl's voice that said, here's one. And his audio, his recorder, his, his videographer said, hold on, I, I just, just heard somebody's voice. And he reviewed it, he goes, oh, my God. He goes, there's a little girl in the room with us, and she's commenting and saying, here's one. And it's as soft as you can hear, but it's That's as so good cool. as hell. Yeah. Anyways, we are coming up to break, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna have to take a break right now. But uh, you, you do have a lot of these videos online. Can you tell uh, listeners where your uh, where can, they can go to see some of these? Sure. Go to youtube.com forward slash David Oman O M A N, and you will see a <laughs> bucket load. Of videos shot here and interesting ones at that. Okay, so we're going to take a break right now. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Dan Carrick and Ron Kolick right here on Tojinet Empirex Radio. Today's show is brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street in Thuin, Massachusetts, A Better Life Through Better Living, and the Messier, excuse me, Gallant Messier Family Law Group. Uh, High Street in North Andover, Massachusetts. We'll be right back. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Hello, hello, can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the ghost box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Parax Radio, The Ghost Channel, 
and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. And welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Anne and our special guests this evening, David Omen and the Ghosts of Cielo Drive. Yes, it is. But anyway, so we were talking to David just before the break and he, he gave us uh, his address for the uh, videos. You can actually walk, watch some of the camera shots uh, in the house as well. But uh, David, uh, which, if people wanted to get a hold of you, how could they reach you? Uh, through t- mental telepathy. Yeah, that works. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> e- uh, your ESP, as he used to call it. Yeah. Um, well, I guess through uh, through theomanhouse.com, which is T-H-E-O-M-A-N, house.com, which is the site we have for the, uh, the, uh, the house as far as for rentals, for private rentals and parties and whatnot. Um, also, again, I've got the uh, the book out, ghostsofcielodrive.com, if they're interested in the book. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's pretty much the the three ways I'm available. Of course, I'm on Twitter, and uh, which is the underscore omen one. And then, of course, <laughs> ghosts, <laughs> ghosts of Cielo, DR. Um, and then uh, at, what is it, House End of Drive, for my movie, House at the End of the Drive. There you go. You got it all, my friend. Hey. Do I ever? <laughs> so uh, you rent this place out? Well, for events and stuff, for private events. Really? Yeah, well, like for the DVD release of uh, Insidious 5, they used the house for that. Oh, that's funny. Um, uh, they also did it for the Poltergeist DVD Blu-ray release event, which was a, a smash hit. People were, were getting spooked and scared off their wit because there was stuff happening that I couldn't explain. I'm going, uh that's the people at, at Sony and Paramount who are responsible for this setup. I have nothing to do with what they've done here tonight. And if there's spirits hitting it up, that's them, not me, babe. <laughs> so, so uh, David, one of the, the things I did want to ask you about, and the thought just came to me as you were talking, is what about Ouija boards? Did they ever do a Ouija board session in there, or would you even allow it? That's, that's an interesting thought. Ouija Shmiji, let's be honest here. I've had somebody here that brought a, over 100, what was a 130-year-old Ouija board, an 1880s spirit board mm-hmm. that was literally made from a piece of solid wood. It was probably no more than about, what was it, like two feet, maybe a little under two feet long by about a foot, maybe a foot wide. And it was all handmade. It was like, um, what do you call it? Uh Oh God! Is that the kind of the, you know? It's kind of like arts and crafts that are done by the by by just everyday people. I forgot there's a certain name for that type of artwork, but it was all handcrafted, 
and my friends brought it here, and that was um, 15 years ago, uh, 14 years ago, after we shot the initial movie, that we, my movie, we shot initially in 2005. Um, we actually had the key grip that was here, and um, he had some weird stuff happen to him after we played with it. Like, um, he went to bed, and about 15 minutes after he started to fall asleep, at about 2... About two, two, three in the morning, he was, as he describes it, dragged up out of bed by an unseen force that said, "You're coming with us." <laughs> and he said, "He goes, no, put me down, put me down." <laughs> now he had been staying in that room for the past two weeks during the filming of the movie, and he later described to us when he finally told us of what the incident had taken place six months afterwards. He told us that um, every morning at the crack of dawn, somebody would creep into the room and pull and tug at his feet. And the door was locked from the inside, so there was no way anyone could have gotten in there. Mm -hmm. And he then said, like I said after this happened, he said, he started yelling, saying, put me down, put me down. At which point he said, I'm finding myself sitting on the opposite side of the bed, sitting bolt upright. Mm -hmm. And he was a complete skeptic. So there's something to be said about people that are skeptical and that enter the house because it's almost offensive to the spirits mm-hmm. in a sense. They have to prove them wrong. Yeah, it's like, really, we don't exist? Oh, okay, okay. We'll show you. Yeah, <laughs> you listen, you'll figure this one out quick. So that's really what the heck has been happening here. It's, you know, to me, it's, it's interesting. I have no problem with it. I'm like, I, I'm not saying I'm immune, but... I have respect for the spirits, and um, they seem to have respect for me in turn. So you, let me let me ask you this, uh, and you say you have respect for them, and, and they and you return. So they don't mess with you at all. They don't bug you. They don't do no. any anything at all. No. Huh. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's that's intriguing. I mean, because it, it has been on. As you mentioned in, in your website, you know, it's been on like the Ghost Hunters, the Ghost Adventurers, and all, all these other shows. And and they, I'm sure, and I haven't seen any of them, so I, I can't <laughs> comment on them. <laughs> but, oh, even Dead Famous, too. Wow, that's a good one. Dead Famous, uh, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm sure they went around screaming and yelling and everything else. I mean, why do you think they had all these instances and, and yet... You you seem to be immune by him. Um, well, I think a lot of it has to do with my approach to dealing with the spirits and not not treating them like secondhand trash. Um, have, you, have you always seen spirits or dealt with spirits or your entire life? I mean, even before you got this house when you were a kid and so forth. Or do you, have you had any paranormal background? I guess. Just yeah, when I was a kid, I I first saw an apparition. I didn't see an apparition. I saw a. Um, a spirit of some sort when I was about five or six years old. And um, hmm. I've always been curious about the paranormal and always figured, you know, it's not about just the spirits, it's about treating people with respect, treating animals with respect and acknowledging and saying, you know, saying, by the grace of God, I am here on this, on this earth. God forbid, who the hell is it? Who put me in charge of taking away life of another creature, whether mm-hmm. it be an insect, an animal, a person, it's like that's just it is a humility that that I, I kind of um, always operated from. That it's like you know, saying that's not that's something that you just can't do. It just isn't your place to be whole, you know, to behave in a way that's you know not authentic. 
And in a right. sense, it's like, you know, I mean, yeah, when I was a kid, I used to go take my pellet rifle and used to kill birds and stuff. And as I got and lizards and, <laughs> and as I got older, I started saying, you know something? That's a horrible, horrible thing to do. Mm-hmm. There's the sport, the idea that it's sporting to kill another animal because for no reason. For no reason, you have superiority of right. firepower. So the f what? You're taking target practice out on a creature that's smaller than you. Who the hell gave you the gosh darn permission to do that? It's not, not really. You know, it's 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 really abhorrent behavior. And I started to realize, you know, something. I used to kill snails and in and ants and stuff. Nowadays, when I find some bugs in my house, I basically get them out of the house, even scorpions and spiders. I said, no, we've got a right to live. Go outside. Get the hell out. Go on. Go, 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 yep. go, go. Do what you got to do out there. You, you, Each thing has its own purpose and is a cog in the bigger picture of the machine of life. And that's what people don't understand, that even the rattlesnake, yes, it's poisonous. And, yes, it's, it's a serpent, and you're afraid of it because of just religiosity and Adam and Eve and all that. So, yes, it's a serpent. So effing what? It kills rodents. It keeps the mice down. It keeps the rat population down. It's it's you're saying it's cursed because it's poisonous. It's not stupid enough to try to harm you when you're over a hundred plus times its weight, and you're it's no you're no you're, it's no threat to you, but you are certainly a threat to him. I've I've come across snakes, a rattlesnake in the middle of the night driving my car up the street in August a couple of years ago, and I thought it was a stick, and then it started moving. I said, oh, God, it's a snake. So I pulled the car over, got out, and as I approached, I had a stick with me. I was like, oh, wow. I said, said, come on, get over, get over. And as I touched it, it raised its tail and started rattling. Ah. And it was a three-foot rattlesnake, and I said, I said, said, dumbass. I said, get on with it. I said, will you get across the road? I don't have time for this crap. I said, if you don't get across the road, you're going to be roadkill, and then you're going to be rattling at no one. So get the hell over there. Come on. Get in the bushes. Do your job. Go. And and he put his his rattle down. He made his way across the road. I said, good. Now do your job and take care of yourself. You're the snake whisperer. Yeah, it's just no, it's because it's a matter of respect. You've got to understand in the big scheme of things, I'm more of a threat to it. It's not going to try to bite me and what devour me in its three foot body. I'm not going to fit in there. So I know that it understands that it's just being defensive. It's like, put your tail down, you schmuck. Get across the street. Go, go, go. Come on out, out, out into the bushes and get some rats. Be a good boy. Thank you very much. Have a good life. And people go, why did you do this? Because. The rattlesnake, the scorpion, the spiders all serve a purpose. And if they're outside of my house doing their job, no one's. To, no, I'm not being harmed by it. My animals aren't being harmed by it. Let them live. I want to show the same respect that I expect to have shown to me when I become, you know, reincarnated as an insect or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, uh, you and I were talking on the phone a little earlier, and. Uh, I mentioned that I was from Boston area, and yeah. you said you actually had uh, yeah from here in your house, right? <laughs> yeah, about seven years ago, I when when Gronk was down with his broken, busted ankle and stuff. Mm-hmm. Rob and Dan Gronkowski visited my house for about seven hours for a barbecue, and I have pictures to prove it and video that I can't release of Rob doing karaoke of New York, New York, <laughs> <and> my dad. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, I mean, yeah, they were great. Rob and Dan were here. They were, and at the time, Dan was playing for the Browns as a tight end, and Rob, of course, was on the reserve list with the Pats. But, uh, yeah, they were great. Rob was going through my UCLA man cave and going at the, looking at all these different UCLA mini helmets that were signed by all these different players over the past 20, 30 years. And Rob's saying, I played against him. I played with him. I beat him in college. I beat him in the pros. I played against him. I, 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 he was my roommate. You know, there's I'm going, oh, God, Rob, you're killing me. Stop it. Wow. So did they investigate your house at all? No, nah, Rob, Rob was more interested in my cats. He's, he loves animals. He loves cats. He thought the huh. cats were great. He That's was sitting cool. there hanging out with the dogs. He was just he was just, just a real down-to-earth nice guy. I mean, and I've had Stallone here visit, Sylvester and Frank, another brother team <laughs> that visited the house. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were looking at my uh, Jack Johnson collection because I have a big, big, big Jack Johnson collection of boxing memorabilia. And if you know anybody that's interested, I do have some memorabilia, first-generation photos of the Johnson-Jeffries fight and some other posters and stuff for sale. So, ah, I thought you met Jack Johnson, the singer. You know, no, not Jack Johnson. Singer. singer, the hockey player. You from the East going, you mean that crackpot hockey player that played for the Kings for a year or two? Yeah, get him out of here. He's nobody. <laughs> you know? And no, not not the surf and singer from Hawaii, Jack Johnson, either. But the, uh, the, the, the one and only Jack Johnson, first African-American heavyweight boxing champion of the world who lived from 1878 to 1946. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. So he's that's is that the gentleman I noticed on the cover of your yes, book? That's I, Jack. and I wondered who that was. I yeah, was gonna ask you Jack. about that. Yeah, he's visited here a number of times and we had a very interesting story to tell about um my sister and my sister's sister in law was here with her two friends the first time they'd ever been here. And the first part of the evening we were all upstairs on the top floor in the living room and dining room and in the kitchen. They decided they wanted to go downstairs to the second floor. So they went down the spiral staircase to the second floor. And they must have been, you know, gone down there for about 10, 10, 15 seconds. When all of a sudden I hear (laughs) seconds. Yeah, seconds. I hear the the pitter-patter of feet coming up the stairs rapidly. (laughs) And they said, who's the big black guy at the end of the hall? I'm saying, what? What do you say? We went to the landing on the second floor. As soon as we got there, we looked down the hallway some 40 feet. And in what I guess we saw at the end of the hallway through a doorway, we see this big black guy poking his head out and saying, is it safe? And then Uh pulling back. And I'm like, what? (laughs) What are you talking about? Are you kidding? And she goes, no, 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 no. We went down there and we see this big black guy did it several times. He stuck his head and said, is it safe? And then he pulled himself, threw himself back behind the wall. And I'm like, you've got to be. I said, you didn't because you didn't go down the hall to my office. He goes, nope. I'm like, holy. So I said, "Okay, let's go down to my office. So I take him down the office and I started to look at this one woman or one of my, my, you know, my sister-in-law's friends. And I noticed that her hair is done up in a very, very, very unique, peculiar style. And the style I'm talking about is what kind of like what um, 
Catherine Ross wore in the Butch Cast and the Sundance Kid movie when she oh, yeah. at a place when her hair was pulled up right. and in a bun. Mm-hmm. And I've never, I have very, very seldom had seen that recently. And I looked at her and I'm like going, oh my God. And I'm starting to feel things like Jack's like saying, she looks just like her. And I'm going, what? Mm-hmm. Who the hell is this? And Jack's saying, she just, she looks just like my first wife. And I'm looking at her going, oh, my God, you're right. Oh, son of a gun. That's the hairstyle from like the 19th, late 1800s, early 1900s. And I'm going, ho, ho, holy, what in the heck? Yeah. And and Jack's like getting like all panty hot and going, you know, this is amazing. She's She looks just like her. And I'm going, ha, wa, ha, wa, ha, wa. So the next thing I know is I bring them in the office and they look at the at my office and all the walls are covered with Jack Johnson photos and stuff. And they said, that's him. Mm, that's wow. who I saw. And then wow. I, looked, I found a picture of his wife that I had here, his first wife who committed suicide in 1912. Mm. And I looked at her and I looked at the picture. I said, God, if you are not the spitting image of this woman. Wow, that's crazy. Huh? Like that's, and then I put it into connection with, wait a second. Who is he talking about? Why is he saying is it safe? And I said, oh, my God, a couple of like a month earlier, Jack, you know, we had, uh, the, you know, we had the people from Ghost Adventures here and that was four days of crap. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It yeah, I'd say is it safe, too. Can I come out? <laughs> you know, I think what Jack was saying was, is he was he basically vacated the house. And when he came back and he saw these people, he didn't know who the hell they were and said, is it safe? And I was like, oh, oh, he's talking about that. Wow. Now, was, who was the third gentleman, the, the third person on the cover of the book, the far left? Rudolph Valentino. Ah, okay. Oh, my God. You didn't know that, in? No. <laughs> I, I'm not as old you know, as you, Latin Lover, The Sheik, the star of every gosh wow. darn piece, romantic you know, drama of 1920, 1921. I had no idea. You don't remember that? You don't no, remember that? Before my time, later. honey. Yes, 100 years later, you should be flossing up on that. <laughs> so, um, no, he, um, his house was across the canyon from my house. Literally, you can look across the canyon and see it. And they oh. tore down the main house, I think, I want to say about eight years ago now. My God, it's getting long in the tooth since they tore it down. Wait, eight years? No, 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 more than that. They said 10 years? 10 years ago? Probably about 10 years ago, they tore down the main house of Rudolph Valentino's Falcon Lair. And all that remains is the gate, the wall in front of the place, and the guards, the garage, and the servants' quarters up above, and then the guest um, rooms or guest quarters. You'd say it's a guest. It's separate from the main house, so it's like a guest house built from, you know, attached to to the garage, etc. Yeah, yeah. And, um... People have experienced his spirit here at the house as well, oh. as well as many, 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 many others. Um, oh, he, so in Hollywood me, forever. Yeah. What What is Van um, uh, Prague? What was What was his results? What What did he have to say about the house? Von Prague came with yeah. the King Live, and James came out here, and uh, let's just say James had a had a bit of a difficult time with it, and. Um, yeah, he uh, went into the earthen ballroom, which is only reason why it's existing now is it's a part of the house where 
We have not put the drywall up in a framing so that it hides the underside of the, the dirt under the house. Mm-hmm. And the reason why that was is originally we were going to put an air conditioning unit there. And then I just uh, told my dad, you better turn, get some concrete and cover this whole entire exposed mound of earth. Because if you don't, the dust is going to kick up and there's going to be oh, yeah. dust all over the place. It's not going to work. So what happened was, is when we were finishing construction, he was talking about turning the third level into a, an apartment separate from the main house. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, no, the hell you're not. You're not turning that into a goddamn apartment. No, 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 no. We're not doing that. And he goes, then I'm not turning this into a god, you know, kitchenette. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, really? You're going to do that to me? I mean, I built, I said, what are you thinking I was doing here, Dad? I built this theater room with the sound system and all the wirings built into the wall and all this stuff. It's all set up for that. He said, why would I then go and let somebody else live in and have their own private theater and screening room? Are you kidding? I said, it's a guest bedroom. So when I have company, they stay in this room down on the third level. There you go. And said, so my dad says, then you have to build the kitchenette because I'm not going to spend another dime. It's going to be, and he kept on inflating the price because he's going to be like ten to fifteen thousand dollars to do it and this and that. And I'm like, oh my god, I don't have that kind of money to spend now on this. I have the house to build. So it was kind of like, okay, fine. I said, then I won't. Then I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't have it. So he left it to spite me, in a sense, and to try to get me to go along with his plan. He left it untouched. So, so I, you have an earth wall? Well, we have – you have a storage area, and as you come into this room, it's probably eight foot by eight foot, which yeah. is now a kitchenette, which I built five years ago. Mm. After living here for a dozen years, I decided it was time. Um, and it didn't cost – it didn't even cost nearly – it cost about a 1000 bucks. So I repurposed some things that I had from other things, and I made it so I did it that way. But it was cheap to do. Um, but as you go in deeper, there's literally – you go onto a platform. It's now about eight foot by eight foot on the platform, and you are literally right against the hill under the house. Oh, wow. So you're looking at a mound of dirt underneath the house. So you look up, and you see all the uh, the floor joists. And then you see the uh, the insulation. Then you see the wires for the telephone and the cameras and stuff hanging around, you know, going under there. And there's no drywall for a ceiling. There's no framing for a wall so that it's that to cover up the exposed hill. So it's just there. Hmm. <laughs> That's different. <laughs> I, I was like, huh? Okay. What the yeah, I don't explain that. that. I mean, I, I, it doesn't leak. It doesn't. Well, of course, in California, you don't get any rain anyway, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> Even when it rains, as hard as it does, and we have torrential mudslides, the rain stays outside because remember, Ron, there's a concrete um, form. What are you, there's a concrete um, gray beams that are that are three feet down mm-hmm. into the earth. That are basically, you know, it's, it's, you know, it never, it never leaks into the, it never leaks into that room. No. No, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and when you come out to LA to visit, you'll see it for yourself. Oh boy, road yeah. trip. <laughs> Hell yes, do a live show from here. For God's sakes, you can do that. <laughs> live show from the Omen House. You're on the West Coast, vis-a-vis the East. Okay. There you go. And yeah, like, yeah, we could do a live show, that's for sure. As long as, long as you have uh, Wi-Fi, then, of course. I got Wi-Fi boosters throughout the entire house. So each level sure, they do. 
Oh my goodness! Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's an intriguing, intriguing house, David. And uh, you know, I look at so many of the shows you have listed to, to go in there, and, and their formats are so different. I mean, everything from you know the Ghost Adventures, where they're like hyper on it all the time. To, I mean, one of the old ones that I used to like was uh, what was that one? Dead Famous with um, oh God, what's his name? Oh, I can't think of his name. Damn. Uh, but anyways, you're not going to help me. Nobody is, right? No. Nope. No, who are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't remember that. I, used, I, used to, do. I wouldn't dead famous, uh The guy that, that, that pushes the K2 meter. Uh, Chris Fleming. Chris Fleming. Thank you very yes, much. There you go. Yeah, I Google, but I have no internet. So anyways. Yes, and yeah. for Ghost Hunters, he was here many times afterwards doing investigations mm-hmm. here at the house. So yeah, right. Chris has been here many times. He's yeah, so the- I mean, you, you have, and then you have guys like Van Prague. So you, you had a, a virtual purpore of ghost hunters, mediums, and uh, so forth. So it's it, it's intriguing, and I, I bet you each one of them has their own little take on what's going on there. And, and you're probably saying, you know what, none of you are right. Well, like Lisa Williams came here, the famous English psychic after the Ghost Hunters aired. Um, let's see, Lisa Williams, uh, let's see, uh, God, what's her? Jackie Barrett from America's Psychic Challenge, who's a friend of mine, came here to the house and had strange stuff happen. Um, the Mark, Debbie and Mark Constantino. Oh, yeah. Had been here a couple of times. They were dear, good, close friends of mine. Um, well, when peace. they were alive. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. not jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they stayed here for a couple That's of years. That's horrible, yeah. And I, Did, I mean, uh, Lloyd, Lloyd Arbrack ever been here? No, I've, I've invited Lloyd since since way back 15 years ago. And Lloyd, who lives in Northern California, has yet to come and visit. I know. I just I find that amazing because Lloyd's usually right into this stuff. I've asked he, might, John- he might even bring chocolate. Who knows? <laughs> I, I've invited um, John Zaffis here because I'm friends with Jason Gates, and Jason invited John here. John never came here. Chip Coffee's been invited multiple times. He's never come here. I mean, it's just I've invited Josh Gates to come here, and Josh has never Unfortunately, believe it or not, that is the doorbell, which means pizza from the dead is here, and that's the end of the show. So we've got to wrap it up, David. We want to thank you so much. You've certainly been an interesting guest in your house. I'm just so intrigued by it. Uh, it's it's just fascinating. The more I uh, you know, find out about it, the more intriguing it is. Oh, it's a fascinating location. I'm telling you, I, I, every day it's new. It's like, oh, that's new. Okay. <laughs> the faucets turn on by themselves. I'm like, we're in the middle of a gosh darn job. You can't do that crap. No more parlor. Fantastic. Yeah, right. You know, Dave, that's what I like about you. You, you just matter of fact about it, you know, which is, you know, I, I work with a, a, a trans medium who, you know, virtually leaves her body and lets the spirit take over and people get scared the crap out of her. And to me, it's just like, oh, that's interesting or whatever. So anyway, you've been a great guest and we want to thank you so much for being on the show. And, uh, You've been listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with – oh, yeah, don't forget the book. You, you can give the give – give go ahead. Go with the book. Go to ghostsofcielodrive.com and get your copy of my book. 
there. And if you want, I will sign it for you as well. They're all online. That's the only place available now. We don't have an audio book. And if you want to see about my movie, that's house at the end of the drive.com. Again, youtube.com forward slash David Oman, O-M-A-N. And of course, theomanhouse.com. Um, Again, thank you very much again, Ron, for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Happy Halloween to your guests. Mm-hmm. And um, again, you have more to fear from the living than you do the dead. Amen mm-hmm. to that, brother. Yes. All right. So anyways, thank Thanks, you so David. For thank, you us thank, thank you for listening. Uh, remember, today's show is brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street in Methuen, Massachusetts. And, of course, the Gallant Messier Family Law Group on Highest Street in North Andover, Massachusetts. Compassion and strong. Till next week, good night and God bless. Good night. Thanks for listening, everybody. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.